This is the Living Clean Podcast. This podcast is not meant to replace meetings, sponsorship, step work, or service. This podcast is meant to be another tool in your recovery toolbox. Our guests are here to share their experience, strength, and hope with recovery through Narcotics Anonymous. Thank you for joining us. All right, welcome back to the Living Clean Podcast. I'm your co-host, Mason S. With me, as always, is my man, TK. Yeah, yeah. We're back for another episode. Uh, today, we're going to dive into the topic of IP number five. We just finished up with the steps and the traditions, and now we're going to look at some of the the IPs. Um, we've got a very special guest, Miss Laura B. Laura, how you doing? I'm doing well. Thank you. We can't thank you enough for coming on here. It's uh that's awesome. Thank you for doing this. It's a pleasure. Uh if you want to, you want to start with your clean date and give your home group a shout out? Yeah. My name's Laura. I'm an addict. Um uh, my clean date is November 20th, 1994. So I just celebrated 29 years. Come on, congratulations. Yeah. At my home group, which is Sundays at one o'clock mountain time, and it's called More Will Be Revealed. I was on that meeting the other day. That you uh it's a hybrid meeting, correct? It is. Yeah, that was a that was a fantastic meeting. I love the the fact that somebody um there was a gentleman there, I'm not gonna break his anonymity, but he spoke a different language. Yep. And we were able to translate it through the screen. The captions yes. were coming through so that we could understand what that was so incredible. That was, that was so neat to me. That's the first time I'd, I'd experienced that before. So that was really cool. Well, I'm so glad you were there. I was traveling, so I couldn't be at my home group. I just wasn't in a spot where I could get um, on. Um, I was in California headed back home. Yeah, it was a, uh... It's a great home group. If you get a chance, check it out. It's more will be revealed. And I'll tell you what I'll do. I will I will post the uh, Zoom information on our Facebook page so that people can check it out if they're interested. That's uh, fantastic. Thank you. Yeah, it's a really good meeting. So uh, before we get to the topic today, let's get to know you a little bit. How uh, kind of how you found NA and what it's been like since you found it. Well, I found N.A. in treatment. Um, my family had done a TV-style intervention on me. I had two little boys. I had, uh, during my last pregnancy, uh, my husband had died suddenly. And I had really just taken the grief as far as I could without using and, and I just, I just started using with a vengeance. My family caught me before I just completely fell apart. And um, I had never heard of Narcotics Anonymous when I went to treatment. And uh, the uh, H&I brought a meeting in and they taught us how to run our own meetings. And uh, they took us to a few outside meetings after a while. Then I went to some aftercare and was able to go to meetings. 
real interesting thing happened. I was in Arizona in treatment. And when I had 90 days clean, I went to a convention in Southern Arizona. And the main speaker was a guy from Albuquerque. I know. So it was really, um, really uh, just such a great surprise to me. And after the meeting, I went up to him and I had my basic text with me. And he said, when you get to Albuquerque, he opened the book. He said, here's my girlfriend's name and number. Wow. And so um, I never called her. Um, I did eventually meet her, but I was, I was not one of those who said, Oh, I'm home. <laughs> I, I really had a difficult time finding um, a way to integrate my personality with, uh, with what was going on in meetings. Uh, that family stuff runs deep, and my family believed in independence. Well, mainly they were just kind of hands off. addicted family. So um, I was really not too keen on sitting around in circles, talking to people about stuff I was never going to talk about. So it, uh, I was able to stay clean for nine months doing that. You know, a lot of really nice people gave me their phone numbers. People were very nice to me. I was nice right back but I really stayed at arm's length and um, and there I was finding all kinds of reasons why it wouldn't work for me. Um, there were things around the steps. Um, there were things around higher power, uh, telling everything to somebody, you know, there was, there was stuff that was kind of inherent in the program that I really didn't believe that, you know, I was pretty special. I probably didn't need that. So, um, but about nine months into it, I made that call, you know, that call to that person that was more than just a using buddy. You know, this was a real friend. I'll tell them how well I'm doing, right? Well, of course, I was using in minutes, And luckily, it was a short uh, relapse. But what it did for me is what it talks about in the basic text. Sometimes a relapse is what we need to propel us towards, you know, a real recovery. So um, I, I made a surrender. I was not happy about it. I was not happy with myself. I was not happy with anybody else. But I got a sponsor and I, she was all enthusiastic and I don't have to tell you I wasn't, Um, but she invited me to, um, it was like, oh boy, now you get to come to the slumber party this weekend. My sponsor, all her sponsees and all our sponsees were having this big slumber party. It's like, okay, you know, I didn't want to go, but it's like, 
I kept being willing to do that one little thing I didn't want to do. So I showed up there. They were playing these silly recovery games. I was like, oh, I'm way too cool for this. You know, it was it was a tough time for me. But I just kept doing that one more thing. And in the morning, I thought, okay, I'll just tiptoe in. I'll have a cup of coffee and then I'll get out of here before I have to deal with anybody. So... But I sat down in the kitchen and a woman came and sat next to me and she started talking to me. And I thought, gosh, you know, she's pretty nice. Maybe if I hung with her, maybe just maybe I could do this. And that little crack, just a little crack opened up. And then the other thing that happened to me about that time, I had been going to a meeting every week regularly. I called it my home group. I really didn't understand the whole concept very well. Um, But the guy asked me if I would come early the next week and help him set up chairs. And I thought, you know, because that internal conversation, I thought, set up chairs like what's the big deal can't you set up some chairs by yourself kind of thing but I showed up and I was very nice about it so (laughs) and then he we set up the chairs and I mean really nicely I was pretty good at that right getting them all straight and, and then uh he said well there's all that literature over there those IPs will you lay those out we didn't have a rack. And so I got them, I got them laid out. I was really busy getting them all in these neat little stacks. And in, I, in my head, there was like a way to do it. And I was going to do it the right way. And what happened for me is that I decided I better go back the next week and do that, or they might not get it right. <laughs> that what that I w- it was really important that I show up there and through that action of him asking me to do that and me even though I didn't really want to do it I found the willingness to do it and it changed me from a person who went to that meeting to a member of that meeting and a member of Narcotics Anonymous. And that was just these little things that just kept happening for me. When I started to find some open-mindedness, some little glimmer of hope that this might be for me. And, and then, you know, then it grew from there. My life in service in NA really grew out of... Um, others being willing to allow me to do things that I wasn't really certain I could do. Uh, So uh, my worst uh, service commitment was with that group. After I had about a year clean, they asked me if I would, they needed a treasurer. And I don't do bookkeeping well, but I carried a bag of money around and if somebody needed some money, oh, we're going to buy some. Okay, here's the money. I kept, no, there was no accounting. I didn't take any of it. I didn't account for it at all. And I kept it for a long time because I was kind of embarrassed to turn it over. But I, what I realized is, you know, 
that's just not for me. It's not in my, that's not my lane. But I know there's a place in service for everyone. Then I went to our area service committee meeting. Well, I know some people don't like it, but I really, really liked it. It's like, that was my deal. It's like, oh, yeah, I kind of like what's going on here. The minutiae, yeah, let's talk about it. Let's talk about it for a long time. You know, I was like, I was okay with it. And, and so I served at the area. I served on subcommittees. I headed subcommittees. I started working on conventions. I started serving at the region. I've served in world service. Um, can, and I do that now. So I have been in all levels of service um, at the zone, at the world, at the region, at the area and my home group. I'm the GSR for my home group right now. So and the other thing that that first service commitment taught me about was an atmosphere of recovery. So I still when I'm in town. I still go early and set up my home group. There is something to me that's very important about setting up a room that has, there's a message when people walk in. The message is, you know all that chaos out there? That's not what we have in here. We have chairs set up. Look, there's things to read. Some, we, we might have coffee or a snack. We sit here together and we speak one person at a time. There's no chaos in here. The atmosphere of recovery is about how each of us, one by one, brings that message of hope to one another. And so um, these, while I have like read the literature, written the steps, worked with sponsors, there's something about living in the atmosphere of recovery in a meeting that is, um, it brought me to uh, find a higher power. Uh, I really was pretty anti-religious, anti-God, and that is like, what are you talking about God in here for? you know, was my internal conversation. And so that step work and the feeling that I get well, when I am with others in a room like that, just that, that atmosphere of hope and uh, that really put me in a space to start seeking a higher power. So that has been um, that has been so important for me. I, I think another message that I really like is that um, I came into the rooms and I would hear I would hear people say, "You have to do this for yourself." I was in no spiritual or emotional place to do anything for myself. But I had two little boys. And so I could find a way 
to do this for them. And, you know, we say, um, let us love you until you can love yourself. So I'm of the message that find any reason to get clean and we will love you into staying clean if you'll stay around and allow us. So, because that's my experience with it. So uh, I have um, those little boys are grown men. I have a really great relationship with both of my sons. So that's what I wanted for my recovery. I got that, but I got way more than I, I could not see around the corners of where my recovery would take me. Um, and this life, uh, I was not on the path to having the life that I have now. So I'm very grateful for all of it. Oh, that is so cool. There's so much of that that really just uh, touched my heart. And, uh, one of the things that you were talking about is setting those chairs up, you know, and, uh, you know, you may look at that as not a, as one of the lowest forms of service, but to me, it's the highest form of service. It's the most, you were talking about it's important. It's the most important thing that we can do is, um, you know, participate in our home group. And you, I, I think about the third tradition that talks about the only requirement for membership is the desire to stop. But I heard a speaker say one time, he said, you remember when you say you are, but you're not going to feel like a member until you start acting like one. And so part of that is doing those things like setting up the chairs and, you know, making coffee. And at that time, she's probably emptying the ashtrays. Oh, might, might've been emptying the ashtrays. I don't know if they did that out there, but Hell yeah. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Wash um, coffee cups, you know, put chairs away after the meeting, swept the floors but there's so much that comes out of that that we don't think about, like, because the seventh tradition talks about self-support, too. So it's one of the ways we start practicing that. Like, we don't – nobody comes in here and sets all this stuff up. We do it ourselves. We don't depend on other people like we, you know, and we don't ask for a handout or anything like we've done throughout our active addiction. We take care of ourselves in here from the putting out the chairs to the making the coffee to making sure the place is – back to the way that it was when we leave those we take so much into our you know rebuilding our lives we take so much from that and start applying it into our life and it and it just changes us so you know that that really stuck out to me and i think that's just amazing yeah um, and i i also think that for me it was sort of a backdoor approach like um if someone had said you know you gotta like become a member, right? Do, this, you know, do, I, that, yeah. do that, do this. Like <laughs> I can, I just saying it, I can feel my heels digging in right now. <laughs> right. But that whole back door, uh, you know, send a hair here, put those out on the table, you know, um, or yeah. Can you come a little early or how about you help me with this? That like that put me into a mindset of service that I don't know that I could have gotten any other way. And, and I find that happens in many ways in the program. Like my, uh, my active using was so much about like secrecy and hiding, right? Yeah. And our program says, hey, lay it all out there. Unburden yourself right here, you know? Um, the uh, isolation, my, my addiction was about isolation. 
conversation. This is like come to meetings, show up, fellowship, do activities, get you now come around, make a new community. Like um, I, I have really worried about having to say some things out loud to my sponsor. And so my whole life, it was about, let's just act like that didn't happen. And then if it starts bubbling up, just use, keep it down. Right. And so here, well, let me just push that back down. And so um, that idea that uh, that whole shift of like, I'm never, there's things I'm never going to say out loud to my sponsor in a meeting, anything like that. I'm just going to keep dragging this burden behind me. And then to like watch women like say out loud the things I was never going to say. It's like that opens that space for me to unburden myself in a way that I would never been willing to do before. So that atmosphere of re- that's another like piece of atmosphere of recovery that the circle is strong enough to absorb all of that. I want to touch on where you were talking about being the treasurer for a minute, because it's kind of funny. My man right here was, was the treasurer and you like pretty much hit the nail on the head talking about his experiences being the treasurer. Um, but you, well, I didn't just hand out money, though. No, you didn't, but you did good. Uh, the thing that stuck out was when you said that, you know, I found that that's not for me, but there is a service position you believe that's for everybody. And uh, I find that to be true. And and there's nothing that says that we have to be good at everything. You know, that I take, I take it down to the form of sponsorship, right? Well, absolutely. Not everybody in in the fellowship makes a great sponsor, you know, but the same person who can't sponsor anybody may be tremendous at organizing committees and, and doing different things. Um, yeah. So that, that really stuck out to me too, talking about, um, you know, finding, kind of finding our place in service. And if you're in a service position right now and you hate it, try something else, you know? Just don't quit. Fulfill the commitment. Yeah. That's the biggest thing. You know, if you say you're going yep. to do something, just fulfill what you say you're going to do. You know, and when the time comes that you get out of it, you say, I'll never do that shit again. <laughs> Ever. <laughs> yeah. 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 That's why I think mentorship is so important. You know, yeah. take somebody along, invite somebody, see if it resonates with them. And they... I've done a lot of convention work. And so I might take somebody to a convention meeting and they go, oh, you're doing registration. I don't want to do that, but I want to do merchandise, right? They'll find a place that's, that feels good to them. Yeah. I think the physical labor part of it is my gig. You know, like whenever we're cooking or giving away food or selling food or, you know, something along those lines is you know but as far as like going to an area and sitting in and uh, i just feel like i should be a politician sometimes <laughs> really we're we're polar opposites on that uh him and i like i that's my gig that's what i love to do i love to be a part of 
Yeah, I just. Yeah, I saw you guys look at each other. Yeah. When I said that. <laughs> yeah, because he can't stand it, and I love it. Like I'm the chair of our area now, and you know, I well, I start in January, and I've been organizing all the stuff, and you know, getting all the contact information together, and just ready to take that over to where Travis just would prefer to be as far away from all that as he can, but. He's got other things that he's really, he makes, he's a fantastic sponsor and he's got a lot of unique talents that he brings to the table. <laughs> and you're cooking at, let's see. Yeah. Cooking at the picnics and yeah. 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 All that stuff's important. It takes all of us. But what's really cool is one of the things about the program is when you can do something for somebody and they not find out about it. Yeah. That, and that is a hard thing to do. I know that we, we, we push the whole thing about anonymity and, and everything, but when we can actually do something for somebody and them not know about it, that's really right. the most rewarding thing that I've ever experienced. And I don't get to experience it very much because it is hard to do something for somebody and them not find out about it. Not find out. That's right. Yeah. It's, it's really hard for me not to let them know that I did it. <laughs> I, just, I mean, yeah, that was, well, that'll lead us into this, what we're getting ready to talk about. Eh? That is. And <laughs> unlike some of the topics that we've had, this is, this is, um, you know, there's, there's kind of a, a little bit to unpack here. So I kind of want to go ahead and dive into it because there's so much good stuff in this IP. It's just, I was looking over it again today and it's just so much stuff that really stuck out. But what we're talking about today is, um, another look that's IP number five, uh, it's kind of, and I, I'm not going to take up too much of your time, but for me, it was kind of like talking about so many of the, so many of us go back and forth on what addiction is. And this kind of just goes in a different direction and wants to talk about what addiction is not. But with that being said, um, Laura, what, what do you got for us on another look? Well, you know, I was always a, um, just, like I said, my family had these values of independence. It was like handle your own stuff kind of thing. So there's a part, a part in this, um, in the last addiction is not a way of life. It says in personal growth, we use both freedom and goodwill in cooperation with others. We realize we cannot live alone that personal growth is also interpersonal growth. In order to find better balance, we examine personal, social, and spiritual values, as well as material values. Maturity seems to demand this kind of evaluation. You know, I, I was not very mature when I came in, even though I wasn't young. Um, th that idea that I could live without, in, without others, without that cooperation, was I was just mistaken about that. And so um, also, I think I came in with not very many values. Um, you know, it's like, uh, I wanted to be a better mom, but I really didn't. You know, there's a lot of gray area. The what's good, what's good, mom? What isn't? You know, is that okay? Is that not? Um, 
And so it took this examination of my personal, social, and spiritual values, as well as material values. It took a long time, a lot of self-reflection, a lot of step work, writing, a lot of um, being open to feedback about what I said versus how I was acting. And, And like someone shining a light on that for me. And, and then this whole spiritual values, when I got here, I did not know what people were talking about. What do you mean by spiritual values? You know, um, spiritual principles, honesty, open-mindedness, and willing, those are spiritual principles. Like, it was just such odd way to speak about things. And so um, this kind of mature evaluation was some of the most important work that I have done in NA. And you are so right. We could argue about what is addiction all day long. This is a very interesting take, flipping that on on its head to saying, well, it's not this, it's not this. And in that, there's, we can find this common ground in all of this discussion about what it isn't. Yeah, you know, what I think about is there's so many topics that that we have the same problem with, and maybe we should take this approach in it. Mm-hmm. You know, we, we struggle sometimes with even something as simple as what does clean mean, right? Like, so I think it would be interesting to go from that point of view. Well, let's talk about what clean is not, first of all, and then go from there. I love the approach of this. And that section you were reading out of, something that stood out to me, is when it's talking about goodwill, it says, if we have accepted ourselves, how can we reject another? And, and what that what that tells me is that if I am can only see the differences and, and I'm intolerant to your differences, then there's something about me that I can't accept. You know, because like it says, if I've accepted myself, how can I reject another? And And that's totally different than agreeing. Like, I don't have to like what you do, but I can accept you for who you are and have peace with it. Like it doesn't rent space in my head for free. Something else that kind of stuck out in that section you were talking about. Well, yeah. And I think it goes the other way as well. You know, it, my youngest son has a girlfriend that um, they are just two peas in a pod. And he is so, so happy. And they were telling me, he said, um, the reason we get along so well is like, we're just the same. And he had this revelation. Oh, my gosh, I love her. And she's just like me. (gasps) That means I could love me. Wow. Yeah. And so that. That goes the other way, too, you know, that if I can see something and love someone with all of their ragged edges, like, then can I turn that on myself? Yeah, absolutely. If you spot it, you got it. If you spot it, you got it. 
both yeah. ways, both both in like the the goodwill and the not so pretty. Yeah. Right? I can see someone like helping someone off a bus and go, oh, I would have done that if I was there. Right? I would do that. I can yeah. see the goodwill in someone else and realize, oh yeah, I'm that good too. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, what's interesting about this this IP too is is I was talking to Travis about this earlier. You know, we got another IP that we'll talk about later on in this series, but it's the triangle of self-obsession kind of mm-hmm. talks about faith, love, and acceptance. Yeah. So this, this IP focuses on freedom, creative action, and goodwill. And what's interesting is me and Tra- or I was telling Travis this, when I was reading over this and underlining some things I wanted to touch on, I underlined creative action. And it says often it means simply listening to those hunches and intuitive feelings that we think would benefit ourselves or others and acting on them spontaneously. That's the whole reason why we're talking to you tonight. That's exactly how this whole idea happened. One day I was in the shower. I was listening to Joe Rogan on his podcast. And then it clicked inside my head. It's like, we should do that with, and talk about NA related things. And then they just would not go away. And eventually I just, I came and seen Travis. What was I doing? I don't remember what you were doing. I was working in the yard. He was working in the yard. I said, Hey man, we're going to start a podcast. <laughs> I said, what? <laughs> we're going to do what? I said, we're going to start a podcast. Yep. And, uh, but yeah, like, being free, the freedom that it talks about, it, it, it allowed that and practicing these these um principles here that it's talking about allowed us to to take some creative action and you know, we get to meet people like yourself and 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 have talked to people all over the world as a result of this thing. And I think that's just incredible. Yeah, what was it? Chris? Is that the guy if I'm remembering right? He worked on some of the literature. You know, I mean, we've met some people doing this. It's crazy. You know, yeah, yeah. It was working just, on the literature to uh, the guiding principles. The guiding principles. Yeah, he did some work on that, which we love. We're huge fans. It's a great that. book. Oh man, it's incredible. Well, this creative action that you talked about, this um, um, that and listening to those intuitive feelings like that. So that is how I found my higher power. Like that realizing that my intuition is not just that I am just super smart. You know, it's not just, I just know the right thing to do. No, if I connect with my higher power, then that energy is that knowing that knowing did not come from my brain. It came from, and I, I don't quite like, I can't like define and that whole language about as we understood him kind of stuff is very, I I don't understand it. I just know that when I am connected in that creative action, in that, uh, I just know that I 
feel differently about myself, the world around me, um, that my spirit feels lifted in some way that, um, and if I am not connected, things just are not going well. Yeah. Everyone's doing something wrong, wrong, you know, um, the world is not quite spinning right. And why isn't everything easy? Yeah. Right. And, and so, but if I am connected, I do have a, a much more intuitive sense of what is like the in alignment with my character, uh, who I would want to be in this world, you know, and, and how I want to show up for myself and others. That's yeah. about it. Good as I can get with higher power. <laughs> yeah, no doubt. That reminds me of an old timer that we know pretty good. He yeah. said, you know, he's like, if I understood God, why would I need him? Yeah, no doubt. If my little, uh, what do you say? Eight pound brain could comprehend God. He wouldn't be much of a guy. <laughs> you know, there's this, um, Oh, there's this parable and it's in many religions. It's the parable of the blind men and the elephant. Do you remember that? These blind men, they say there's a new creature called an elephant. And these blind men come around the elephant and they touch, like one touches the leg and goes, oh, an elephant is like a tree. And one touches the tail and they go, oh, an no, an elephant is like a whip. One touches the trunk. So, oh, no, an elephant is like a snake. Another touches the, no, it's like a wall. It's like, and so they argue about it. And it's this like metaphor for like, we can never know it all, but it, but I am not wrong. What I, and what it is that I'm being with, I just don't know it all. Wow. I love that. I love that. I'm going to actually steal that and start. Yeah, look, look it up. Look up the, yeah, <laughs> the blind awesome. man and the elephant parable. It's really, yeah. I love that metaphor for the differing beliefs that we have and the un different levels of understanding that we have. All of us are right where it's where, what we have from where we're standing and not, none of it's wrong. Yeah. There, that, this is a little off topic, but that, that, that makes me think about, uh, our elephant story that we hear all the time, which is, uh, the elephant that's been that the old man that owned the elephant, uh, that had been in the circus. And what he did is he kept him tied up around this tree and he walked around for 40 plus years around the tree. And eventually the old man died and the people who, went to go look at his property to evaluate. They were like, oh, that poor elephant. So they take the chain off of the elephant and like you're free to go, but the elephant continues to walk in the circle. And it's related back to like us in addiction, right? Like once you get here and, and you admit this powerlessness, like you are like the freedom it kind of talks about in, in this another look, you're free to go live. So how don't keep walking around the tree. You can go. The chain has been lifted, you know? So I like that. Yeah. Elephants, uh, 
what do they call it? A spirit animal. You may be a spirit animal. <laughs> well, and then there's always the elephant in the room. That's right. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Um, yeah. So one thing I want to touch on too, right here at the end, it says goodwill, of course, is the beginning of, of all spiritual growth. It leads to affection and love and all of our actions. These three goals, freedom, creative action, and goodwill, when shown in service in the fellowship without seeking personal rewards, bring about changes whose ends we cannot predict or control. Therefore, service is also a power greater than we and has significant meaning for all. And, you know, when I when I think about that, um, the way goodwill is kind of defined in, in our symbol when it talks about it there, it's like doing the right things for the right reasons. So when that becomes my motivation, even like you said, I didn't even want to set up. You didn't want to set up the chairs uh, the first time you were asked to be of service, but you did it. And uh, a lot of services like that. A lot of times, there's a lot of times like I'd rather be doing something else on a Sunday afternoon than I have to. Well, now we have to drive an hour and 30 minutes to go to the area, but there's no way in that. Well, me. Yeah. <laughs> but um we do it anyway and we don't do that to seek rewards but then the rewards just keep coming it's crazy well and and you know and that's what they taught me about self-esteem when i when i got here it's no mystery it's about esteemable acts witnessing myself um participating in esteemable acts you know, I show up because I said I would show up. I I don't go to a meeting because I feel like going to a meeting. I, I don't ask myself, do you feel like going today? No, I'm committed. So it's my commitments that drive what I do, yeah. not my feelings. They change all the time. Absolutely. And, yeah. Absolutely. That is spot on. Um. I told a little fib. I said that that was the last thing I wanted to touch on, but I would, I would be in so much trouble. We got a, uh, sponsee brother who would throw a fit. If we didn't mention this part, this is a big part of his story, uh, which is under addiction is not a way of life up here. The very first paragraph, it says the sick self-seeking self-centered and self-enclosed world of the addict hardly qualifies as a way of life at best perhaps it is a way to survive for a while even in this limited experience it is a way of despair destruction and death uh that goes out to our man jw there you go jw there you go jw he he would have threw a fit if we didn't mention that but i'm gonna steal his story what he always tells he said you know when i was selling back in the day i didn't promote my product that way i never said hey man you want an eight ball of despair you know <laughs> i've got a i've got a i've got a sack of destruction and death here and he said we didn't market our product that way but in all reality that's exactly what we were peddling yeah. you know um so yeah i thought i'd add that in there to a little shout you know out. Hey, each each community has those um, characters, oh, yeah. that, you know, that we just adore. 
and 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 listen to and take those little nuggets from you know i have a friend who's thought you know we should we should probably write something about these characters that are also important to us right so you're doing a little bit of that you know bringing some of these characters into your podcast that that um get spread our message in their own unique and beautiful personalities yeah. and and this idea um that despair destruction and death like those are that's powerful language and for him to talk about active addiction in that way is that's a powerful message yeah and he's got a unique ability to be able to share it with such emotion too that it draws your attention to this little paragraph in which if i go out and say it it's kind of monotone and it sounds a lot like you know, like, like the guy off of, uh, what was that, uh, Snoopy? Want, 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 want. Oh, the school teacher. <laughs> the school teacher, oh, yeah. That's what it sounds like when some people say it, but some people have such an ability and, I guess, a charisma about them, the way that yeah. they share. They draw you into to reading things. So anytime I think of another look because of him, I always think about that section. You know, well, He also talks about when he says that, that whole thing about, what you just read and you know it was another thing you know like when we was actually buying you know that really i could relate to it because we didn't even have a year clean when we first heard him speak no and he was talking about back in the day when he would call his call his guy up he's like man i've got some shit over here that will paralyze you he said don't sell none of it i'll be there to get every bit of it you know and it went through the whole phase of of where we was at, and that wasn't too long ago, whenever we heard this, yeah. and I related to him so much, I was like, man, I've got to get to know this guy because <laughs> I'm just like him. Yeah. You know, and what's really cool is once we start coming in here, we start to realize that we're like each and every one of us yeah. in the room. Yeah. Regardless if we like the way that they talk or the way they sound or everything else, there's a little bit of each and every one of us yes. in that room. We're crossing our fingers that God sees fit that he speaks at the World Convention. I've done submitted the tapes and everything. Right. <laughs> give him a workshop or something because he's incredible. Yeah, he's a good dude. Um, Yeah, he can actually, he's one of those that have, can have you laughing your ass off at one moment. Crying. Crying. I mean, big tears the next. We love that. We love to be moved emotionally. Yeah. through people's experience it's it's really such a beautiful thing that we do share share in ways that really move each other you know i uh i realize now that all those things that i never wanted to share are the connection points wow yes. right because if i am if i uh only talk about what is good and, and what's it. There's no place to connect. We really do connect on those ragged edges yes. and of, you know, what we've been through and, and how like, Oh yeah, I may not have done that, but I really recognize that feeling. 
Yeah. You know, when you said that, I thought instantly. Last week, I was working a four-step with a sponsee, and he's at his most vulnerable at this time, and he's sharing some of those things. But we both left feeling closer to each other than we ever have. And and you're exactly right. Like we have had a, we've, we've had a long relationship, uh, many in and out attempts at the room, but this time it's different. And it wasn't until we got to that four step that even though we've known each other for a long time, wasn't until we got to that point to where we shared those things with each other. He's sharing about him. I'm sharing about me that now we feel like we've made a connection that won't be broken, you know, and I just, right. you said that that's the first thing I thought about. Yeah. yeah. And that's a privilege to be part of, you know, that, that exchange. Oh yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, um, yeah. I, I never thought I never could see into the future and think that, I'd be sitting on the other side of that or, or even doing that with another person period from my point of view or from his point of view, you know, so just. Yeah. And back to that, that where we started that inter, you know, that interpersonal growth, personal growth is interpersonal growth and learning how to connect with one another. That's where the juice is. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so kind of wrap this thing up a little bit, but I wanted to ask you, what What are your, are you planning on going to the world convention? I'm not. And, and mainly because I don't do crowds very well. So I've been to some, but what I find myself doing is retreating or like the big meeting is just too big and overwhelming. So I just retreat to my room or I go somewhere else in the city or I go find somewhere to sit with someone one-on-one and talk. Uh, and, and I realized that I would rather spend my time going to visit others or going to small region area, or regional conventions, like the world convention is just too much for me. I got you. <laughs> so to that point, you talked about when you were telling your story, uh, you talked about you got together with, I, I can't remember if you said it was your sponsor and sponsee sisters and you all kind of went to a place. Do you still do things like that? Well, <clears throat> there was a long time when my sponsor and all of her sponsees met together regularly. And because I had the space at my house, we met at my house and wow. that happened every Tuesday for years. Wow. For years, she's no longer my sponsor, and um, so I don't do that on a regular basis like that anymore. But I I did do it for many years. Did you get a lot out of doing things like that? You know, it changed my mind about women and relationships with women because. When I came in, I didn't think I wanted them when I was mistaken about that. I really do want them. And so it was very important to me to build that um, that kind of network of support that I have uh, fell into. I fell into, I've have had to fall into it several times. Yeah, because life happens, you know. 
hard things happen. Um, my, uh, I, ha- I grew up in a family, my mom, my dad, and an older sister. And since I've been in recovery, they've all passed. Mm. And in the times like that, uh, when I've had struggles with my kids or that sort of thing, it's been really helpful to know that um, I have women who have been through those things and if they haven't they'll stand by me while I go through them and I've built really deep and long and intimate friendships with women that is awesome you know you uh you said earlier and and of course when I was brand new I thought there was I was of the mindset of what you shared earlier was you have to do this for you you have to do it for you but through talking through with women and mothers and different things, that story is not unique. You know, there's so many who said, Hey, I wanted my kids back. And that kept him th- them here long enough to where it changed my mind. So like, I'm with you now. Like, I don't care what keeps you here. Just keep coming back. Right. Stay. You know, stay. Don't stop before the miracle happens. I don't care what your motivation is, even if it's getting your court paper signed, yep. stay, come on back. We'll sign the paper. Come on. Just yep. whatever gets your ass in the seat. Yeah. Um, they told me if your ass uh, comes enough, eventually the head will follow. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Well, Laura, this has just been incredible. It's so nice to meet you. And Oh, it's so, so nice to meet you guys. Yes um yeah and we look forward to covering the rest of the ips over the next several weeks next week's going to be zach s who's going to be sharing on relapse and recovery ip number six so um, well that's wonderful and i would really love if you would let me know where all these are being aired well i'll tell you what now that you say that I'll just tell everybody. Good. Uh, so you can find this podcast anywhere that you listen to podcasts. It's on Spotify. It's on Apple Podcasts. It's on Google Podcasts. We have a YouTube page. And we also uh, have a Facebook page, the Living Clean Podcast. And you can go to that Facebook page and, and join it. And I release all the episodes when they come out. Um and a bunch of anything related to the to the podcast on there. So uh, basically, anywhere that you listen to podcasts, you can find it now. Um, and I'll make sure that I send you a link when your episode drops, and and I'll send you a link to so that you can find the rest of them too. But yeah, what is this forty something? Forty second. This is our forty second. Um, wow. So yeah. So this is forty two weeks consecutive that we're that we've dropped an episode good for you yeah it's been a lot of fun and it, it's work at times but it's worth all of it the people that we've just met some incredible people that uh, uh i can't imagine ever crossing paths with had we not been, had this platform to be able to do it so extremely grateful for that creative action that my higher power put on my heart and like you said that's exactly where it came from you know when you feel that connection and the things that come from out of this, you know, it's from something outside of me. Uh, so right. thank you so much, Laura.
Beautiful. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you for joining us on our Living Clean podcast. This is another platform that we can share our message of recovery, which is an addict, any addict, can stop using drugs, lose a desire to use, and find a new way to live. Join that no matter what club. You can contact us through text. The number is 931-306-9364.